All aboard! Today is the day that we've been building steam for for a long time, the launch of our Unstoppable campaign, where we seek to build unstoppable momentum in our church by stretching our faith and helping to grow our financial health as a church. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be challenged to grow in both our obedience to God and our faith in God as it relates to our generosity. And as I started thinking about this moment, I my mind naturally went to the Transcontinental Railroad, which all of ours naturally does, right? That's where our minds naturally go, is to the Transcontinental Railroad. You may remember it from back in grade school history. It completely transformed the landscape of America. How? Well, it used to take five months and over $1,000 to go across the country to reach the West, the 2,000 miles that it took. However, with the Transcontinental Railroad, those five months were cut to five days. And instead of $1,000, you could buy a ticket for only $100. Amazing. It opened up the West. It opened up the economy. It opened up travel. It opened up innovation. And in 1869, in Promontory Point, Utah, the Golden Spike was driven to the ground to complete the Transcontinental Railroad. You're probably thinking, that's great. Thanks for the history lesson. But what does Promontory Point have to do with East Point? Well, let me tell you. We talked about how the Transcontinental Railroad ended or was completed in 1869, but we didn't talk about how it began. It began, of course, where all good things begin, in Congress. Yeah. But it was signed into an act by the president. But when did that occur? It occurred in 1862. That's right. It occurred right in the middle of the Civil War. While our country was fighting in the middle of hardship, President Lincoln and others had the vision to see past the war, to see what the, this country needed to really expand, and they took a huge leap in trying, to, in trying times to make sure that things were set in place for the future. And that's where we come in. Church, our church has been through trying times as well. We've talked about in the past how we experienced two derailing events. Either one of those events could have been a fatal blow to the life of our church. The first was the transition of our previous senior pastor. And while uh, there are many things that happened around that time, the one that we talk about for today's sake is what it did financially. We lost 21% of our giving in the same time frame that we opened up 10,000 new square feet of space with all the added expenses that go along with that. Then our second derailing event was this thing called COVID-19, which is stretched into 22. And if it were not for God's hand of provision through this time, those two, very, those two events very well could have shut the doors of East Point. And frankly, if we don't respond in faith, they still could. We still have a $135,000 annual shortfall and that is before we begin paying our mortgage. And we cannot cut our way out of this. We have to grow our way out of this. And we want to grow our way out of this. Our culture and our nation is in trying times as well. Not only are we facing $4 gas, and probably even more than that by the time we hit our summer vacations, but we are also facing the threat of cyber attacks from Russia, and who knows, possibly even war. But here is what I have experienced in both my life and in reading the scriptures is this. In times that seem 
impossible, God shows us that He is unstoppable. Amen? In times that seem impossible, God shows us that He is unstoppable. And our key verse that we have been looking at uh, throughout the course of this campaign uh, and celebrating is that from Job 42, verse 2, and you know the book of Job is a book where everything goes wrong for Job. Nothing goes right for him. And everything, everybody's dying, things are, the plants that he's planted are wilting, nothing is going well for him, and yet in the midst of it all, he says to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. Job wasn't looking back to what God had done as much as he was looking forward to what God was about to do. And in the same time, today, we don't just look back to the trials that we have experienced, but we look forward to what God is about to do in our midst. Let me talk about another train for a minute today as well. It's the verb train. It is this, that God trains His people through trials. God trains His people through trials. Now, our area is getting ready for preparing for unprecedented growth, which is about to happen with the Intel Project that's about five miles from here. And I believe that God is preparing our church for unprecedented opportunity to reach not only those people, but the people who are already here. God has been training us through these trials. He trains His people through the trials. And one of the ways that He trains us is by helping us to become an unstoppably generous church. Let me just stop here for a moment and say, if you're a guest with us today, you might think, oh boy, we picked the wrong Sunday to come. <laughs> now, let me just promise you, this isn't something that we talk about all the time, but we do believe that Jesus is Lord of all. And that includes our finances. And that includes all the decisions that we make regarding them. And so if you're new here today, this isn't necessarily something that we are expecting you to participate in. But it is something that we do believe firmly that Jesus is Lord of all, including our financial situation. So how does a church become an unstoppably generous church? Well, let me just say this. An unstoppably generous church understands two concepts. The two concepts that we have to wrap our minds around this morning are partnership and promise. Partnership and promise. And what we see is that our partnership and His promise. And the book of Philippians is where we're going to be looking over the next four weeks. And in the book of Philippians, we see that they are known for their generosity. This is something that they, uh, they were known for, that they had been generous towards Paul in many ways while he was in prison and while he visited them there, they had been very hospitable towards him. And so when Paul speaks to them, he's speaking to people who know this and who he's encouraging to grow in this. In the same way, I think East Point understands a lot of these principles, but we're also looking to grow in our faith and our unstoppable God. And so as we take a look at this, we must understand that Paul is in prison while he's writing this. Now, Paul wound up in prison a lot of different times, and all the times that he wound up in prison, it was for good reasons, fortunately. But he wound up in prison so often for preaching the gospel, for proclaiming that Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not. 
And so as Paul is writing from prison, he begins his letter with a greeting, and then he begins with this promise to the Philippian people. In Philippians 1, verses 3 through 6, which is the core of our text for today, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you, and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So he says, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Your partnership in the gospel. Now, when we think of that word partnership, one word that comes to mind is business. We think of business relationships. But the word partnership, it's a Greek word koinonia. I don't need to bore you with the Greek background or anything else. But the understanding of this is that koinonia, this word partnership, it literally means to be one in purpose. It means that we are one together with the same purpose. And so when we talk about our partnership in the gospel, what we must understand is that God's people are one in purpose. And this raises some questions. I know it raised some questions for me personally. When we talk about generosity, some of the questions that come up, like especially like in our situation, was, well, we weren't here when all of this happened. Why should we be the ones to be the ones to lead us out of this? Well, we didn't make the decision for the new edition. Why should we be the ones to pay for that? We've been giving faithfully all along. Why should we give more? All those questions are ones that I've wrestled with personally, and I bet you wrestle with as well. I just want to tell you, it's okay to wrestle with those questions. It's okay to ask those questions. Because where I end up going back to over and over again is that God has called us here to lead by example. God has called us here to lead through this hardship and to grow our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is something that we are more than willing to do because we know that God has started something great at East Point and that He is going to be the one who brings it to completion. And if that's going to happen, then our partnership is vitally important. God's people are one in purpose. And I look forward to five years from now when we are going down the tracks in full stride, when we are rolling down with great momentum and when we're seeing 100 baptisms in a single year, when our children's ministry, our youth ministry, and our adult ministries are all exploded and we're going to look back and say, I'm so glad that we kept going. I'm so glad that we took that step of faith and chose to be radically generous. Because of your partnership, because of your oneness in the gospel, that's what Paul was thankful for. And that's what we are thankful for as well. That this is not just one person's church. Well, it is. It's Jesus' church. <laughs> but as far as it goes for us, this is our church serving together. We are partners in the gospel. God needs every one of us working together in every way in order to bring about the full potential of this church body. So he goes on to say, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel 
from the first day until now. He looks all the way back and he says, from the first day until now, God has been faithful. And just to let you know that from the first day until now for Paul, excuse me, Paul included a lot of hardships. They included some very difficult times. Uh, and we look through them and we see, first of all, in the book of Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul is getting ready to go and spread the gospel in one area. Well, that doesn't wind up happening. He, it literally says that he was stopped from doing so. And then he decides to go into another area. And it says that just in that very next verse that the spirit of Jesus stopped him from going to that place. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm set out to preach the gospel and I feel like the spirit of Jesus is stopping me, I might be prone to quit. Wouldn't you agree? If it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, however it is that it says there in the book of Acts, it's just like, what in the world is going on? But then Paul has a vision. He has a vision of a Macedonian man who's inviting him. Macedonia is the area where Philippi is at. And the man is inviting him to come and preach the gospel. And so Paul, after he awakes from this vision, he says, you know what, I had this vision, I should probably go and do something about it. And so he goes into Macedonia and first starts at Philippi, the city that he comes to there. Now, not only did Paul have that sense of calling that was there, but he also had this encounter that started the church in Philippi. When Paul came to the city, it appears that they had no synagogue. Paul's, um, Paul's intentions whenever he went into a city was to go first to the Jewish synagogue, the people, place where the Jewish people were gathered, and to preach the gospel there that Christ was the rightful Messiah. But when he came to Philippi, there was none. And so he instead went down to the river. And apparently these ladies went down to the river to pray because that's what they did in O Brother, Where Art Thou? And so that's what they did here too. And he finds this group of praying ladies that are praying. And he preaches the gospel to them and as a result, many of them come to faith, including a lady by the name of Lydia. And God started to work through this woman in Philippi and helped plant this church as a result of her faithfulness. Lydia appears to be a wealthy woman. She was a dealer in purple cloth, which I don't know if you've gone to you know, the fabric store lately, but back in the day, purple cloth was a symbol of royalty. This was something that would have been quite expensive. And so she goes uh, and she uh, becomes a believer in Jesus. She's baptized. And as a result of this, she says, Paul, if you see me as a true believer, then come to our house and stay here. And so Paul went to Lydia's house and he eventually starts the church as a result of this. And while Paul is preaching in the city later on, he's actually arrested and in jail. And that's where God does a further great work. Not only did he speak to him in a vision, not only did he find these ladies down by the river praying, but then he has this further vision while he's in prison, where there's an, not just a vision, has this experience where there's an earthquake. And while the jail cells are opened and the jailer's about ready to take his own life because he knows that he's going to be held accountable, he looks up and everybody's still in jail and Paul is there and Paul ends up leading this guy to Christ as a result. And this whole thing goes on. It's an amazing experience that happens. But that's how God showed his faithfulness 
in and through the work of Paul from the first day until now. Paul's looking back and saying, remember all those things that happened? Do you remember the vision I told you about? Do you remember me meeting you down by the river? Do you remember that, uh, that time when we were in jail? Do you remember all those things? God was at work through all of them. And he's been at work since then until now. He's still at work. And so what we see here is that our partnership is one thing. That God's people are one in purpose. But in and of itself, our partnership is not enough. What follows next is his promise. And God's promise is this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who began a good work in y'all is what it literally means, not just in you individually, but in all y'all. He who began a good work in all of you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So here's what we understand about his promise, is that what God starts, he finishes. What God starts, he finishes. Did you know that this whole church was started in a garage 70 years ago? That's how this church got started. Garages weren't even that big back then. And in somebody's house, they had a garage and they decided to start a church that became known Norton Church of Christ. And within a few years, they outgrew that garage and took a huge step of faith and wound up building a building on a couple of acres, not even two acres of ground from my understanding, very small footprint. And they kept building on and building on as, as babies were born and people were baptized and new people moved to the area. They continued to take those steps of faith until they were all out of space. And then in 1999, they came out to this area and looked at all these, what were just corn and bean fields and trees out here. And they came and they said, you know what? That's where things are headed. We need to go that direction. And there were about 200 of them at the time. And they decided they were actually looking at a field across the street here and it's still empty. They said, no, that's not big enough. That's not going to be enough for what God's going to do in us. And so they looked across the street here, and this field, along with all the houses that are right back here, none of that existed. It was just, well, the field existed, but it was just a field, right? Uh, and, and so they said, we want that place. The realtor said, it's too much money. You guys don't have enough money for that. God worked out a partnership, though, with National Church Residences to be able to develop that as houses and for us to get this prime property right up against the road here so that we can be very visible God did all that work behind the scenes of East Point. And in 2004, we moved out here to this new facility. And God bumped up our numbers from 200 to 400 pretty quickly. And we see that through all of that, that's just the building history. That's not the history of the people who grew up here, who went into ministry, which we have several people who grew up here and went on to be preachers and go on to share in different forms of ministry. We have different people here who came to faith in Jesus Christ. We have people here who grew in their faith in Christ and as a result are, are Christian leaders in the world today. What God starts, he finishes. And do you know what? I don't think he's finished with East Point yet, do you? God is just getting started. Even though we're 70 years old, he's just getting started. 
And so I want to talk to you today about some of the things that you'll be hearing about over the course of the next several weeks. I want to talk to you about uh, what we're going to be doing as we enter into this 25-month stewardship campaign and what that looks like for us and what that looks like for you. The purpose of the Unstoppable Initiative is this. It's twofold. The first and most important is to grow our faith in our unstoppable God. And the second is to reestablish our financial health. And you might be thinking, well, that sounds really nice, Dustin, but like, is this really just trying to get money? No, it's not. At the end of the day, if we get $2 million and our faith doesn't grow, we have failed in our purpose. Because God's got plenty of money out there. Okay? What he's looking for and searching the earth for are faithful people who will carry forth his purpose. And what we want to do is we want to grow our faith through this season. And we want to grow our faith so that God can do that unstoppable work in us and through us. What's our financial goal? Well, we have a home run and a grand slam goal. Because I really miss baseball and I wish they'd get their act together and come together so we could have a baseball season. Amen? But we have a home run goal of half a million dollars over and above our regular offerings over the next two years or 25 months from April uh, 2022 to April 2024. And we have a grand slam goal of a million dollars. Now, the way this works is we ask people to give over and above their regular giving. That means that on our website and on our envelopes and things like that, when people write a check, they can write it out and to put unstoppable on on the subject line. Uh, when people do the uh, online giving, they can mark it as unstoppable. That's over and above what we currently give. Now, if you've been giving to our previous stewardship campaign or initial in- initiative, all those things have now come to a conclusion. Uh, those are things that are no longer we are no longer reaching out for at this point as they have concluded their time. Let me talk a little bit about our needs. Our first need is for a balanced budget. Now, like we said, if we were to try to cut ourselves out of this situation, we would wind up hamstringing the future of the church. We would never be able to cut our way out of this and survive. What we have to do is we have to grow in order to do this. We recognize that growing in our giving means for now getting that balanced budget. We've talked about this before, how we have $135,000 each year that's unaccounted for as far, well, it's not unaccounted for, but it's not being met in the needs. That is our first need that we do. The second is debt reduction. Now, on our property, we owe about $3.5 million. For a church our size, that's not too bad by any means, but it is a large sum. And as we pay for that over the next 20 years, did you know that every dollar that you give up front to help pay off debt is really equivalent to $2 over the life of the loan? And so if we were able to pay, uh, you know, $100,000 off on that debt, then that means that it's really $200,000 worth of giving that that frees up over the course of 20 years. If we're able to pay off half a million dollars, then that's really equivalent to a million dollars over the course of 20 years. That's the way that debt works. Our, Our third one is infrastructure maintenance. If you haven't noticed, our parking lot is in need of some repair. Our parking lot's only about two inches thick. That's why we have no truck sign. It's not that we don't like trucks around here. It's that our parking lot doesn't like them. When I drove into the parking lot today with my wife and with my daughter, we had to stop and because there were three chunks of pavement that were in the middle of the road, and we didn't want them to damage any of your cars. And we had to test, catch them out of the way. 
so that they wouldn't do that. Our parking lot is one of those that is in need of repair. And then finally, we have a need for admissions and investment in our community. This community needs us. God has not put us here to be a social club. He has put us here to be a mission to reach our neighbors for Jesus Christ. We have such a unique environment around us. We are an extremely diverse area. We have uh, unreached people right in our own backyard who, um, who are not even raised within a Christian environment. God needs us to reach them, and I think that we can do that through the work of His Holy Spirit. And so we want to challenge you over the next five weeks, building up to our Commitment Sunday on April 3rd, to prayerfully consider giving in the following three ways. The first one is courageously. That means making an initial gift to our campaign. And I know that this is something on April 3rd, we want to be our biggest offering in the history of our church. We want to give people a chance to give one time up front uh, in order to make this uh, happen. I know that for us, we're freeing up some money that's been in the stock market in order to make this happen so that we can give a gift up front. There are some ways that we can do that that are, uh, that are tax advantages as well, which we can talk to you about if you're interested in learning more about that. The second one is consistently. The best way to do this, uh, to achieve this goal that we have, is to have people give monthly or weekly, if it is, uh, to give consistently over the course of the 25 months. If you give $200 a month over the course of 25 months, that becomes $5,000. That's a huge increase. It might not seem like a lot of money up front, but it can become a lot of money over time with consistency. And the final way is creatively. Maybe you've been sitting on something that's worth some money that you really don't think you need anymore, that you've been wanting to hold on to, but you know, you know what? I could sell this and take the money from this and give it to the church. That's an opportunity for you to give as well. But this is a way for us all to get on board with this. And what we want to do is we want to invite you to come in to hear more about what's going on in the life of our church and about this campaign. Uh, when you came in this morning, you should have received a train ticket. These train tickets are for our all-in ev all events, excuse me, for our all-aboard events that we're going to be having over the next couple of weeks. The first one is coming up this Saturday and then the Wednesday following and the Sunday following. They have at different times, and for all these events, the diner car is going to be open which is good, right? Because we like food. One's a breakfast, one's a dessert, one's a potluck. And you can read more about these online and obviously with the corresponding times. You can sign up today for them. You can sign up today and just tear off the edge of that uh, and turn that in out in the offering buckets or out at our train table, which in our train table out there, amazing. Didn't our volunteers do a great job with that? <laughs> it's an old bed that they transformed into that train, believe it or not. I'm going to go out there and take a nap sometime this week. So, All right. Uh, but you can also sign up for this event by just taking a picture uh, with your camera of this QR code. And it literally takes about 30 seconds from the time you take that picture and click on the image uh, there in order to get signed up for the event. Church, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. I love that verse because I realized just a couple of years ago, I've been reading this verse since I was in high school, but I love that part about he will carry it. He will carry it. As much as this can seem like a burden for us, I'm telling you 
that it's not Dustin Fulton who carries this church. It's not you individually who carries this church. It's not even us collectively who carries this church. But the same one who carried the cross is the one who carries his church. And that is where we can find peace and find rest. Back in 1986 at the All-Star Game, Roger Clemens took his first at-bat since high school. He played in the American League, and in the American League, they did not have interleague play yet at that point in time, so he never had to go to bat. However, he went to bat for the first time against a guy by the name of Dwight Gooden. If you remember Dwight Gooden, he had a fastball that got up right around 100 miles an hour. And as that first pitch came in to Roger Clemens, and he could barely even see it go by, he was blown away by how fast it was. And he stepped out of the batter's box and looked back to the catcher, Gary Carter, and the umpire, Bruce Fremming. And he asked the umpire, he said, Bruce, does my fastball look like that? And Bruce looked at Roger, who was also known to throw in the upper 90s, nearing 100 miles an hour, said, yes, Roger, it does. It looks like that. And while Roger Clemens stepped back in the back box and quickly stri- struck out on three pitches, when he went back out on the mound, he had a renewed sense of confidence. Because, you see, he had seen from a different angle what he could do, and he now understood in a different way how powerful his fastball was, that it was unstoppable. And he went on to clear out the next three innings, to to pitch three perfect innings, to win the MVP that year, and went on to dominate the rest of the season. And if it wasn't for Bill Buckner and the the, between-the-legs air, they would have won the World Series that year. From that moment on, he understood differently how unstoppable his fastball was. Church, how could we understand and get that same confidence that God is working in us to win people to the Lord and to build them up in the faith? How is it that we can see from a different perspective today the unstoppable work of God? We look at ourselves and we see that we're recovering We have a lot of debt. Some of our ministries are just now getting restarted after COVID. What would give us the confidence that God is working in us? What is it like Roger Clemens that we could see instead of in ourselves, now we see that it's in God, that he is working in us and the work of God is unstoppable. One day while sitting in prison, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a small church in Philippi. And in that letter, he wrote, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. And you know what? I believe that if he was writing a letter to East Point today, that he would say the same thing. That he who began a good work in you some 70 years ago will be faithful to carry it to completion today. And if we have the faith to believe that, I believe that our church will be an unstoppable force for the gospel. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you, the author and perfecter of our faith. We look to you, the one who has gone before us, who faced this life with amazing faith and who started 
the very church as a whole anyway. And we look to the disciples who followed you and we see their faith. And we pray that we can have that type of faith today as well. The faith to go and to be bold witnesses. The faith to be radically generous about all that we say and do. The faith to believe and to trust in you. So Lord, we pray that you would provide for our church in unstoppable ways. Lord, we want this moment to be our only God can moment together. We've heard these stories of all of the individuals coming up and sharing their only God can stories. But God, we want this to be an only God can moment for all of us together. The moment where we see your provision. The moment where we believe in you for what seems impossible. Lord, only you can do the unstoppable and we praise you and we thank you for your faithfulness to us. Lord, bring to completion the good work that you started in us. Bring it a little closer each and every day throughout this campaign, but go way beyond this campaign, Lord, and make us an unstoppable force for you in this community. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, as we wrap some things up today, I want to remind you uh, of a couple of things we talked about. First, if you don't have your ticket yet, you can get your train ticket out there on the table uh, and out there at the train, at the train station, we'll call it. You can go out there and get that. You can take a picture with your phone and get on there uh, and fill that out real quick. Or you can tear off that end of the ticket uh, and put it in the offering or in the buckets there. Uh, Also, we have some prayer bracelets that are a reminder for you to be praying for our church every day as we've talked about our prayer challenge over the course of the next month. We're challenging you to even give an extra five minutes of your day. If you can even give five minutes more, how much powerful that would be in your life. Uh, And then we also have some little magnets out there that you can put on your refrigerator or anything else that is metal. So uh, that's what we have uh, for today. Hey, uh, today as we conclude the service, our thoughts uh, and our hearts continue to be with people in Ukraine uh, and what they are going through. And one of our elders, Mike Carter, uh, his mother was Ukrainian. Uh, And uh, so he is going to come and uh, close off the service with a few words uh, and also pray for our brothers and sisters there today. Slava Ukraini, Royam Slava. This is the rallying cry of the, uh, the Ukrainian military, and it means uh, glory to Ukraine and glory to the heroes and heroes they're turning out to be. I'd also add Slava Bahu, which means glory to God. My mother, uh, Helena Nikolayenko, was born in the Ukraine, uh, lived there until 616, and then she was taken a prisoner of war by the German Nazis. This is not the first time that uh, Ukraine's been invaded. And uh, I think Jeremy Polly, our elder, uh, last Tuesday in our uh, prayer meeting, uh, had the best perspective on what's going on with Ukraine. He said, uh, this is Ukraine's Gideon moment, this smaller group of uh, God's people who are fighting against this seemingly insurmountable you know, pagan group, uh, and they need our prayers. So I'm going to pray, uh, actually, the first four verses of Psalm 35. And I warn you ahead of time, uh, it's harsh words, and uh, war is harsh. And so, why don't you pray with me? Contend, O Lord, God, with those who contend with the Ukrainian people. Fight against those who fight against them. Take hold of buckler and shield and rise up for their help. Draw also the spear and the battle axe to meet those who pursue the Ukrainian people. And say, say to their soul, I am your salvation. 
Let those be ashamed and dishonored who seek their lives. And let those be turned back and humiliated who devise evil against the Ukrainian people. Father God, this is their Gideon moment. And as you gave victory to Gideon, Lord, we pray that you would give victory uh, to Ukraine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Go in peace.